Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community. Oh, by God, to live, 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 live. Live. You know? Don't, don't, don't. You, 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 ought to, you ought to rebel against just existing. Live while you're alive. Love. I'm sick of the mean-spiritedness and the hate that exists. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. Every time you look on social media, I'm convinced that people who wake up every morning with an agenda to be mad at somebody, to be angry about something, or at least to share stuff about your life like you think we care, interested. I said that we are come, become a, a nation of cultural exhibitionists. We want to tell everything and share everything and leave nothing uh, to ourselves. So live, love, and finally, serve. That is what shapes us at FCBC, how we serve and how we realize. I remember years ago as FCBC was growing, it wasn't always like this. Some people come in here and don't realize it wasn't always like this. Those who've been here 17, 16, 15 years know what this place used to be like. And so the way I said, I said it 17 years ago and I'll say it again. I said, as we grow as a congregation, that means our impact in the community must grow. There are too many of our institutions that are leeches in our community. And we ought to be the ones, the more that is given, the more is required. That means we serve. So FCBC, how do we say it, family? We live, we love, we serve. Amen. Listen, remain standing. <clears throat> you got to be careful. I wanted to cough like 30 seconds ago, but I was scared. I'm serious. I'm... <laughs> you... <laughs> Literally, I flew in this morning. I got here this morning. I was on a plane. Listen, the plane is an adventure, man. Especially, it only takes one person to cough. You start looking around. It's a tightening your mask. You're like, <laughs> one person. Everybody's like, this is the time stuff is harmless. Somebody cough, you turn immediately. Like, <clears throat> And now you have to find the creative ways to cough. You know those ways, right? You be like, <clears throat> You try to find ways to cough, so nobody start looking at you. Lord have mercy. This is the age we're in. It is a strange time. Luke 2. I want to look at Luke 2, 41 through 52. I'm going to read in the New Revised Standard Version and then in the Message Bible. Luke 2, 41 through 52. And here's how it reads. Now, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. The festival was ended and they started to return. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. 
but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Message Bible. Reads a little different. <clears throat> Every year, Jesus' parents traveled to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up as they always did for the feast. When it was over and they left for home, the child Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents didn't know it. Thinking he was somewhere in the company of pilgrims, they journeyed for a whole day and then began looking for him among relatives and neighbors. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem looking for him. The next day, they found him in the temple, seated among the teachers, <clears throat> listening to them and asking questions. The teachers were all quite taken with him, impressed with the sharpness of his answers. But his parents were not impressed. They were upset and hurt. His mother said, young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. He said, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be here dealing with the things of my father? But they had no idea what he was talking about. So he went back to Nazareth with them and lived obediently with them. His mother held these things dearly deep within herself. And Jesus matured, growing up in both body and spirit, blessed by God and people. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you today and we honor you on this beautiful day, an amazing day. Truth is, oh God, no matter what the condition is outside, every day we wake up, it is amazing. Every time we're able to see a new day, it is amazing. Every morning when we take that first intentional breath, it is amazing, God. And we thank you for that. Now, oh God, let your word do its own work. Somebody came here today, oh God, needing to hear. But you would have us to hear today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We love you. We honor you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remain standing with me. I'm going to read uh, just verse 52 of the New Revised Standard Version and the Message Bible as a point of emphasis. New Revised Standard Version, verse 52 says this. Um, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The Message Bible says it. 
And Jesus matured, growing up in both body and spirit, blessed by both God and people. Amen. Come put your hands together. Give the Lord a hand clap. Pray. Take a seat. Amen. This morning, I want, well, no, while you sit now, turn to your neighbor and just tell them, neighbor, thank God for growth. Come on, turn to the other neighbor. Tell them the same thing. Neighbor, thank God for growth. Now put your hands together one more time. Thank God. I know somebody can testify about that. Thank God for growth. My God. Listen, <clears throat> this scene has always intrigued many over the years because it is a scripture, a scene that has been used to verify that somehow Jesus must have known about his divine assignment. I would not necessarily negate that at all because I think those of us who understand what it is to have some deep calling or some sense of calling on you know what it is to harbor those feelings for a long time. Many of us in here, if not all of us, grew up thinking that there was something significant about us. We may not have shared it, but maybe you felt it inside. Maybe you knew there was something and you dared not share it because you didn't think, well, you didn't want people to think that something was wrong with you. I can just speak for myself. I, I grew up thinking that there was always something a little different about me. The thoughts I had, dreams I had, the aspirations I had weren't always in alignment with my friends when I was young. And what most of us do, because we want to be in favor with people, with friends when we're young, we hold the things we feel and sense to ourselves because no one really wants to stand out. But you still live with those feelings, those, those gut-level feelings that there's something about you. Again, you may not tell anybody while you're home by yourself. You know there's something significant. You see yourself in ways that nobody else may see. Even for those of us who wrestle with insecurity, who are riddled with insecurity, who know what it is to lack confidence and not always believe in yourself, even those of us who've been in those spaces, who felt that way, we still at times secretly sense that we're special, that there's something amazing about us. Again, I know there's some of us who battle self-doubt and insecurity, and we don't always say that, but we feel it. And so this scene speaks to that part of us. Here, Jesus is at 12 years old. His family had gone to Jerusalem for Passover because during the high holy celebrations, everyone had to go to the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate. Scripture says that after the celebration, his family made their way back to Nazareth. And after some time had passed, they realized Jesus was not with them. They assumed he was in the crowd of people who were making their way back to the Jerusalem diaspora. They went looking for him and could not find him and decided to go back. When they go back, they go to the temple. And to their surprise, it's right there. Jesus is in the temple with the priests having conversation, asking questions, answering questions. And he's only 12 years old. It's amazing because at 12 years old, coming from his background, he was the son of a carpenter, a tecton, a worker of hands, some of the lower rung of the social ladder in Jerusalem. And so this had to be an amazing thing that this young man would actually be in the temple having conversation, asking questions about scriptures maybe 
maybe even about the history of his people. And then some of the religious leaders must have seen something in him because they started asking him questions. And it said that they were amazed by his sharpness with which he gave answers. You have to understand how amazing this was because he was not supposed to have that ability given his background. Isn't it amazing how people make assumptions about us because they think they know us? Or maybe because they even have insight on where we come from or who we come from or the place of town we may reside. And they make assumptions. I remember in another scene in scripture when some of the disciples, Philip in particular, thought that he had, when he encountered Jesus, he knew this must have been the Messiah. And he went to one of the other would-be disciples and said, listen, we have encountered the Messiah. And they knew he was from, he was from Nazareth. And there's that classic line, can anything good come from Nazareth? That's why I love in this story. They made it clear that when they made their way back, they went back to Nazareth. Nazareth was like the hood. It wasn't a good place. It was where poor people lived. Poverty stricken. Life expectancy was low. Some people believe in that day. Life expectancy was maybe 23, 24. It was hard to live. Disease would ravage people. They didn't have access to just the things we take for granted. That's where Jesus was from. I say it and I have to say that because sometimes we get so caught up in the king of kings, we don't understand the poverty of the Jewish boy. We miss his beginnings. We miss his life. I heard somebody say, well, you know, nothing really matters. It matters that, you know, he was the Christ. Where he came from doesn't matter. Well, hold on. If you believe that he is a manifestation of God, then it must be important how God showed up. And God chose to show up not in the high side of town. God chose to show up in this little girl in the little hamlet in the hood of Galilee. That's where God decided to make God's move manifest. Don't ever forget that when there are people who try to say that somehow being connected to the carpenter means being connected to material prosperity. Because that was not the carpenter's narrative. That's why it's important to not just think you worship the king of kings, but also understand you follow the teachings of a carpenter. Because it puts it in perspective. Well, here he was at 12 years old in the synagogue, engaging in conversation with religious leaders, asking questions, being asked questions. And his parents go back and they find him there. They have been looking for him. And here he is. And they come to him like most parents would be, especially when you feel like you lost your child. I remember my mother sitting over there. I don't even know if she remembers years ago, years ago. I remember, let me show you how old, well, this tells you how old I am. I remember being in the store, let me see my old folk in here, called Alexander's. <clears throat> yeah, see, I know my old folk was in here. Some of the young folk don't know about Alexander's. And I remember my mother took me to Alexander's one time at Roseville Field Mall. And we were in Roseville Field at Alexander's, and somehow I strayed away. And let me tell you, you think you've grown until you get lost. I'm telling you right now, because you be wanting to see stuff and go places. Your parents tell you stay close, and then you wander off because you just want to do your thing. And pretty soon, when you wander off and you all of a sudden don't see mommy, you, you know, mommy come out real quick. Then the tears start to flow. I was terrified in Alexander's. I don't know how we reconnected, but I know the feeling, a feeling like I had lost my mother. She must have felt like she had lost me. Well, you can understand the parents coming back frantic, looking for Jesus for all this time. And then to see him in the synagogue sitting up, chilling, 
having conversations. His mother does what most mothers do. Well, not most, because she is real cool about it. Ain't it deep how when people are worried about you, they threaten you? Y'all get that later. And I remember my mother found me. She wasn't all that cool about it. Didn't I tell you to stay right? That's what Mary does. Why would you do us do that to us? We've been looking for you, racking our brains, and you up here just chilling. One day I'll tell y'all another story about my mother and I. We have a lot of stories. She hates when I do it. I won't tell you the full story, but I learned the day I got shit. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I just feel led to share it. But it is the same mother-son relationship. I, I was starting to feel myself. I must have been about 13 years old. She going to bust out laughing a minute. 13, 14, I don't know, maybe 13. And I hung out with some friends, and I thought I was really grown. And I walked in the house after one in the morning. And that wasn't the bad part. I walked in the house whistling. Sure enough, my mother, all five feet of her, was at the door. My mother's like, where have you been? That one finger, you know how it is. You think you talk, and I was taller than her at the time, too. She hit me, poke right here and said, where have you been? And here I go, Ma, don't hit me no more. <laughs> then she hit me with this, or else what? <laughs> and boy, I made the worst mistake you could imagine. When she went to hit me one time, I grabbed my mother's finger. Now, my mother was the only girl among four boys. And when I grabbed this, the left came this way. Pow! I don't remember falling. I do remember opening my eyes. Realizing my mom had knocked me out clean. <laughs> I don't know why she ended that, but it's a good story. <laughs> the only time I've been knocked in my life, my mother knocked me out. She didn't feel good that day. She was upset. So you can imagine you worried about your child half to death and you come and he ain't even giving you no reaction. And then look at the response Jesus gives her. Didn't you know? This don't even sound real. Didn't you know? I would be at my father's house. King James Virgin. Didn't you know I would be about my father's business? On some levels, Joseph might have been confused, but maybe Mary not so much. She knew what God had told her about this boy. That's why the writer in this scene says she held these things in her heart. Because she knew somehow what she was seeing, witnessing, was a manifestation of what she had been told. And there it is. Most people use this as an indication that at 12 years old, Jesus must have known who he was. I started the sermon by saying, sometimes you sense something about yourself, feel something about yourself, that there's something extraordinary, amazing. I'm sure he must have sensed that, felt that. The scriptures never say anything that Mary told him one day, what she had experienced, never really had a conversation maybe about his, her, her conception or the story around his birth, but, but he had to feel something. If not felt something, something compelled him to shift another way. When other boys were doing other things at 12 years old, he decided to hang out in the synagogue he sensed something he felt something about himself we've all sensed that i don't care who you are how you feel emotionally even about yourself at times there will be those moments again where you feel something cosmically significant about who you are 
It doesn't always last for some of us. It's fleeting for some, but it, it lasts and endures for others. But it's always that moment where all of a sudden you begin to see yourself in a way that you start thinking about yourself in ways that you dared not share because you didn't want anybody to think you believe you were crazy or maybe you, you were conceited or arrogant. And you just kept it closed. But something compelled him to be there and share and ask questions. A 12-year-old boy in the synagogue. He did not come from a priestly family. His father was a carpenter. He was sitting there and having a conversation and was able to then introduce a language. This is the thing that we don't always get. A language that was not used for God up until that moment. He didn't say I was about God's business. He said, did you not know I was in my father's house? We hear that sometimes, and this is a sidebar. We don't often think how Joseph must have felt when he said that because he knew that temple was not his house did you not know i would be about my father's house and there's a story in a nutshell that's it i'm going to finish in three more minutes 12 years old he's in the synagogue with a sense of who he is maybe a sense of this great calling on his life this great anointing on his life this great mission on his life he felt it maybe, possibly, this great calling, this great mission, this great anointing. Maybe it was visceral in some ways, this great calling, this great mission, this great anointing. But what I love about this story is verse 52. And he matured in wisdom. He grew in understanding and had favor with the divine and people. What does that mean for you today? I'm going to say it again. Maybe he sensed his mission. He sensed his calling. He sensed the anointing. Maybe he realized that he was born for something bigger than he could ever imagine. At 12 years old, he may have sensed that. But here's the thing where we have to understand. Those of us who sometimes feel that great sense of calling or appointment or anointing or mission upon our lives, there's always room for growth. You don't always begin how you'll end. If I ask some of you all in here right now how you were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And even with that sense of deep calling on your life, significance and specialness. Even if you knew that and felt that it didn't mean you didn't have to grow into it. You need to hear that today. Many years ago when I was pastoring in North Carolina, here comes my mother again, in North Carolina. And it was the first anniversary of the church I was pastoring. I was 26 years old. My first one year anniversary. They had a little gathering. And I looked at my mother. She knows my story. Some know my story. I remember leaning over there. She may remember. That. I said, Mom, did you ever think I'd be doing something like this? I'm going to tell you just what she said. And I had no qualms. She's like, hell no. Didn't see this one coming. Why? Because the images she had, like many people have, were not of the boy who was in front of her at that time, the man. It was the things I had been through, had gone through. And it didn't make a connection to things I had been through, had done, had gone through to where I was. Why is that? Because all of us, there's a space between our recognition of who we are and the arrival of who we would be, and it's called growth. Every one of us 
will have growing seasons and growing moments. And don't you ever feel compelled to always be at arrival because people think they know you. Uh-uh. Their knowledge of you does not negate the room for your own personal growth. And can I tell you something? You're growing every single day. The things you thought last year, you don't think anymore. The ways you behave last year, you don't behave anymore. The ways you would have engaged people last year, you don't do it anymore. You have grown. In order to grow, what does that mean? You have moved from one place to another place. Here's what you can't do. Don't make excuses from where you move from. Because where you came from is part of your story. That's what makes your arrival so amazing. And that's what makes your arrival so connecting to people. You see, we have a tendency to see people where they are, not where they came from. And we didn't want to be like people. We want to envy people and idolize people because we see where they are right now and have no knowledge where they came from. And they say, oh, I wish I was like so-and-so and I wish I was like so-and-so. Or I wish I was like Pastor Mike. No, you don't want that. Because to get here took a whole lot. And if you built for the celebration, you better be built for the struggle at the same time. Because this ain't easy. You think it's easy to have some divine appointment upon your life? Some great compulsion to honor God rather than people? No. That journey is filled with growth and growing pains. And all of us in here today bear the marks and the pains and the scars of growth. So don't let people try to hold you accountable to where you are right now. And don't you be ashamed of the story of where you've come from. Your story gives hope. It gives hope. When you start talking about the things you've experienced in life. And where you've come from. They see, hold on. She's real, Lord. He's authentic. Yeah, it's not real authentic. It's called honest. And not being ashamed of that. Here he was at 12 years old. Keenly aware there was something significant. But the writer said, and he grew. And had favor with God and people. And he grew. And she grew. And she's still growing. And he's still growing. Don't you ever be ashamed of your growth or the fact that you're still growing. Because even though where I am right now, maybe something that may be admirable, this ain't it. Don't hold me captive to this moment in your imagination because where I am right now is better than what you think you are. No, I'm still moving. That's what you got to tell people sometimes. Make sure you keep up with the pace of my breakthrough and my growth. Because where I am now is not where I'll be tomorrow because I'm committed to growth. Hold on, back up. In other words, growth happens automatically on some levels, but then you must be intentional about your desire to grow. Can I tell you what that means? Because there's something you know right now. You say, why do you act like that? This is just who I am. Stop. So what you just said, that you are no longer capable of being different. You're no longer capable of growing. Well, you just have to accept me as I am. Well, no, because you accept you as you are. How about this? I believe in you more than you may believe in yourself. And I believe there's more for you and it's better for you. Don't get held captive by this. And guess what? You're never too old to grow. I don't care how, much, how old you are. When you leave this place, you better leave with growth on your mind. They say for the moment you're born, you begin to die. Yes. But on my way to dying, I'm growing. This is how we put it here at FCBC. 
ever evolving. Ever evolving. Why must you be committed to your growth? Why must you be committed to your growth? And go back to something I always talk about and not allow how you feel about you to be based on people's assessment of your growth. Why? Well, look at that last line of verse 52. Watch it. And grew in favor with God and with people. Why you got to be committed to your growth and committed to your own evolution and believe in your growth and believe in your evolution and be excited about your growth and excited about your evolution. Let me pause. You better be excited about your evolution. That you're still growing. Why? Well, in that last line, there's one thing that's guaranteed. There's another thing that will not be guaranteed. One, favor with God. Oh, my God. See, this is what some of the folks don't like to hear because we try to get all sanctified and scare people into God's loving arms, you know. Well, you know, you can fall out of favor. God's favor ain't to be played with. Yeah, that love is heavy, though. The love of God is heavy. That if you can somehow cause God to forsake God's love of you, that means you got more power than God. But that means there's nothing, Paul put it this way, and I love quoting Paul sometimes. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you. So there's nobody, no matter how high and holy they may be or how saved and sanctified they may act, can speak a word that can separate you from God's love. Nothing can separate you. Nothing you can do can separate you. That's why the love is called agape, unconditional. I'm glad that God's love of me is not dependent on me. You missed that. I am glad that God's love of me is not dependent on me because I am inconsistent, fickle, funny acting sometimes. So God's love of me has to be based on something bigger than me. God's love never fails. Never fails. But part two, people funny acting. And isn't it amazing how when we think we know that God loves us, we can still be dislodged by people who act funny towards us? Isn't that deep? We say things like God is the most important thing in my life and, and I love how God loves me. And yet you can be discombobulated when someone says a negative word to you. What? No. Because guess what? The people who favored him at 12 wanted to kill him at 30. The same folk who love you. My experience has been this. Most people love you until you come on their front doorstep. I learned this in pastor. 25 years I've been doing this. A lot of people love you as long as you don't touch what they have. When I first started pastor, I had some folk who loved me until I started changing stuff. Then when I started changing stuff, I realized their love of me was only connected to what they wanted, not what God desired. So you can't base your commitment to your growth and your celebration of your evolution on how people feel or whether people see it. That's the other part. So what if they don't see it? Do you feel it? Do you see it? Stop going around trying to prove to people that you're different. That you've grown. Stop trying to show people. I'm saved now. Never other word out your mouth. Sound save, 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 save. Bible, 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 Bible. Thank you, Jesus, 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 Jesus. How you doing? Blessed, highly favored, 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 favored. 
I have to prove nothing. I walk with the authority of God every step I make. Guess what? Wherever I go, God is right there. And when you know that, you don't have to prove a thing to anybody. You walk in the assurance and the abundance of God's abiding presence. And you never have to find yourself trying to prove to people that who you are and what you've done. You know it. And if you know it, live in your own knowledge of your own evolution and celebrate it. Even if you've got to celebrate it by yourself. No. Thank God for growth. Oh, my goodness. Thank God. Man, just say to yourself, thank God for growth. Let me tell you, because almost every day, maybe every week, that growth will be tested. Well, I found myself in a situation a few little while ago, and how I would have responded a year ago? Let me know. I grew in 12 months. And here's the th- thank you, Joy. And you know it's deep? Watch this. Let me know when you know the transformation is real, when it don't hurt. See, y'all missed that. Because there's sometimes some people push that button and you be trying to hold it and it hurt. But when it no longer hurts because you know you've transcended that place in space. Don't bother you no more. The things you used to say used to get me, fire me up. I used to get upset. But now I don't even think about it. In fact, I smile now. I laugh now because you thought I was in the same place. That's why you thought you could push the same button. No, no, no. I've moved on from that place. And how silly are you for thinking I did not grow? Oh, it's because you did not grow. And you thought I would be like you and staying in the same spaces, places and mentality that you had. And then ain't it deep when you're surrounded by people who actually see your growth and they mad about it? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's an ouch. Mad about it. They loved it when you didn't believe in yourself. They loved it when you doubted yourself. They loved it when you were afraid of your own shadow. But the very minute you start to get an awakening of who you are, they feel threatened because you thought that you were dependent on them. But they had you thinking that you were dependent on them. Oh, you missed that. They thought you were dependent on them and had you believing you were dependent on them. And it was all called mental manipulation because they actually needed you, but they didn't want you to know that they needed you. So they made you feel like they needed you. And the minute you begin to manifest that growth and transformation that you're in another place, they get uncomfortable. They start squirming in your presence. They try trying to pull you back to the place of comfort for them. And they don't realize that their comfort place is your discomfort space. Uh uh-uh. uh. But every now and again, you got to be able to say, you know what, God? Yes, I know you have something for me. And yes, I know I'm significant. And yes, I know I'm special. But guess what? I'm still growing. I'm still growing. See, we were singing that song in church. Morning by morning, new mercies. <laughs> Why do you think you need new mercies every day? <laughs> You're still growing. And you got to celebrate that. And don't let people put some false expectation on you. you no, know, folks say, well, I thought you was in church now. Yeah. Yeah. But guess what? I'm growing. I never use the language of process because uh-uh. everybody's process is no, I'm growing and my growth looks different from your growth. But guess what we can do together? 
We grow differently, but we can celebrate together. <clears throat> Thank God for growth. Thank God that we didn't just grow older. Oh, I thank God I grew wiser. I thank God that with the gray hair came maturity. Because there are a whole lot of gray-haired, immature people. But you got to thank God with the gray hair came maturity. I love what Paul said. He said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, when I grew up, when I evolved, I did what? I put away childish things. If you want to really celebrate growth, sometimes it means putting away childish things. You're starting to be who God has called you to be. And putting away childish things often also means a transformation of your personality and who you are. But you have to celebrate that. You have nothing to prove. I know that temptation. People who knew you back in the days and you ain't the same way and you get around them. You got to show, well, I'm still me. For what? You're not. Don't let nobody shame you because you feel better about you. I'm growing. And I'm still growing. Day by day, growing. And I love it. And when you can feel it, how do you not love it? When you can sense it, how do you not love it? I love to get around people who knew me back in the day. I had an experience about 10 years ago with a friend of mine from high school's 40th birthday party. And man, they were strictly reminiscent. Things I had done, I forgot all the stuff. How I was, my temper, all this stuff. And I remember leaving that day. I was like, God, thank you. Because some of those people are in the same place I left them. And I don't feel bad about being different. You change. Yeah. You're right. That doesn't make me better. It just makes me committed. Committed to my evolution. How committed are you today to your own personal growth what have you done to demonstrate that commitment not to anybody else or for anybody else but for yourself so you can feel good about you walk with your head up have a pride in you thank God for growth thank you God because I'm a little wiser a little stronger, a little better. And guess what? The best is yet to come. The best 
is yet to come. Look at you. 2019, they would have told you it was a pandemic. You had to go on lockdown. You'd be like, oh, no. But guess what happened during that period? You grew. You did. You'd have never thought you could do the things you did to handle the situations. You did it. And guess what? You can keep on doing it. And it don't take a pandemic either. Keep on being committed to you. To you. Come on, stand on your feet, beloved. I want you right now to think about the areas in your life where you need to grow. Think about it. Be real with yourself. Think about the areas in your life where you need to grow right now. Because you know it. You know what those areas are. Think about the ways you need to grow. Maybe just last night you were reminded that you weren't as far ahead as you thought you were. But think about those areas right now. And now, as you think about the areas in your life where you need to grow, set that intention. Commit it to yourself in that area right now. Just close your eyes and see, visualize, visualize the spaces and places in your life that you need to grow. Just think about it. And right now, I just, I need you to say to yourself, I am committed to my own evolution. I am committed to my own evolution. Not I want to grow, I will grow. The places in my life where I know there are gaps and weaknesses, I will grow. The parts of my personality that are not quite developed, I will grow. I don't forgive like I ought to, I will grow. I hold on to things a little bit too long, I will grow. I let people give me the blues too much, I will grow. I'm upset by what people think about me too much as though they gave me life, I will grow. I will grow and I will commit right now. God, we thank you. We honor you, O Lord. First of all, we say thank you for growth. My God, all of us in here have a testimony steeped in transformation. We know we've been changed. And knowing we've been changed doesn't mean we've gotten yet to where we need to be. And not being where we need to be does not undermine the great calling you place on our life, God. It's just a reminder to us that there's still room for growth. And while we grow, while we evolve, God, thank you for never letting your love fail. Thank you for never forfeiting your favor. Thank you, God, for being with us every step of the way. 
even when people started acting funny. People were simply engaging us for transactional relationships. God, thank you for your unconditional presence and unconditional love. God, we thank you today. We thank you, God, for sometimes the difficult road that got us to right now. The struggle, the hardships, the challenge. Because it had a way of growing us up, oh God. Thank you for reminding us that experience is the greatest teacher. And we will continue to commit to our growth. We do not know what 2022 will hold. But here's what we know. We're ready. We're ready. We've been through too much not to be prepared for the unexpected. We're ready, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we honor you. And it's in your name we pray. And we say amen. 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 Come on, give yourself a hug and then put your hands together. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise on today. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.